The book of Romans in your Bibles tonight. And we'll be in chapter number 13. Romans chapter number 13. Boy, we've not got too much longer in the book of Romans. We've got just a few chapters left. 14, 15, and, and 16, and we'll be finished up with it. But Romans chapter number 13 in your Bibles tonight. And we're going to read the last few chapters here in the Bible. Or, excuse me, in, in the last few verses in this chapter. Romans chapter 13, starting in verse number 11. And the Bible says this. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Our Father, Lord, again, we do ask that you would help us understand this passage of Scripture. Lord, Lord, above all, may you be lifted up tonight. Lord, I pray that you would increase and even us that we would decrease. And, and Lord, speak to our hearts in this matter of truth. We love you, Lord. And in your name we ask it. Amen. You know, something is kind of interesting about, uh, about us as Christians. As we grow and as we continue to uh, progress in our life for the Lord, one of the things the Lord expects us to do is to mature. Spiritually speaking, we are supposed to mature. You know, it's not natural for a person to be born and to have this, this little baby and for the next 20, 30 years for this little baby to stay a baby. That's not normal. It's not natural. It's supposed to happen. You know, my children, they, they were born, of course, when they were small, when they were, when they were born, they were just tiny little things. It's amazing how you can hold a small person in your hands. I remember it's funny. Whenever uh, my little ones, I used to have them on my lap, and they could lay from head to foot right there on my lap. And then, boy, it wasn't much longer. A few months, their head eventually started to grow past my knees. I would see them growing. I couldn't hold them that way anymore. And, you know, it's neat seeing them grow. And, boy, now they're able to, to talk. They're able to walk. They're to the point now where they're doing pretty good with putting on their shoes. You know, sometimes they're backwards, but they're figuring it out. And they're to the point where they can go to their room. They know which drawer has their clothes in them. They're starting to dress themselves. A lot of times it's really badly mismatched. And sometimes their shirt's flipped around backwards. But, you know, they're, they're figuring it out. It's neat seeing them mature and grow. And, you know, as children, they are naturally childish. That's who they are. They're children. They're childish. But as they grow, it's not normal for an adult to be childish, is it? You know, that's something that as we grow, that has to leave us. They have to be taught that these ways are childish. As you mature, those childish things need to be put away. You need to learn to grow. Guys, spiritually, the Bible tells us the same thing. From the time that we get saved, it's neat. We're like, boy, we're like little children. We're babes in Christ. We are, we are newborn. Remember when we talked about uh, how Jesus was explaining salvation in John and he said, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to be born again. You have to be born of the Spirit. It's a new birth. And boy, that new baby Christian is, is immature. There are things it doesn't know. There are things it doesn't understand. Man, the Bible is totally new. It's, it's a whole new world for that person. And you know, here in this scripture, Paul 
He's addressing some Christians that have been saved for a while. They've known the things of God. They've, they, they ought to be growing and maturing spiritually, but they're not doing it. You know, there was a guy, he, once, he, he made a t-shirt, and he wore this t-shirt around. You, some of you may have even seen this t-shirt. It said, growing old is by nature. Growing up is by choice. You ever heard that or seen that? It said, growing old is by nature. Growing up is by choice. And I remember seeing that as a teenager, and I looked at my buddy, and I said, yeah, we're never going to grow up. We're going to stay and have fun you know, forever. And I remember we used to joke that we would, uh, you know, as we grew old together, we would be racing around the parking lot in our wheelchairs when we couldn't walk anymore. You know, we would still, <laughs> still have fun in that way, and, and we, we would never grow up. But, you know, it's, it, the truth of it is growing mature and growing up, that's a choice. Guys, Paul is addressing some things here that Christians, they have to choose to mature in. They have to choose to grow in. This isn't something that just happens on its own. These are some things that we have to work at. We have to uh, make sure we are choosing to grow up in. And he starts in verse number 11. And he makes some really neat uh, correlations here between the two. Verse number 11, he says this. And that... Knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The first thing he's saying is this. Christians, you need to wake up. Christians, you need to wake up. Because now it is time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Spiritually speaking, I believe we have a lot of sleeping Christians today. You know, there, it, when we think about, again, we think of our children. You know, when you have a small baby, you expect that baby to sleep a lot. You know, they, they just do. It's, 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 it's a neat thing, except at nighttime. At nighttime, they want to wake up. I don't, I don't know why. They'll sleep all day, but then they want to keep you up all night. But your children, they sleep a lot. I, I read something. This was just a couple of nights ago I read this. That newborn babies need, I think it's like 14 hours of sleep a day. Is that right? 14, 14 or 15? And then toddlers from 2 to 4, they need like 12 hours a day. And then when they get a little bit older, that backs down to 10 or something. I can't remember the exact number, but boy, it was a lot. And you know, the older a person gets, they start having more responsibilities, don't they? And you know, that idea of wanting to sleep more, it, that's, that's when you want it, but you don't get to have it. I remember when I was in college, there was a time I was working 40 to 45 hours a week while taking full 16 credits at school as well. Let me tell you, I didn't sleep that much. I mean, there, there were times, I remember one night, or a three-day period, so two nights in a row, both nights I only got 30 minutes worth of sleep because I was having to do my studies at night and work during the day. And by day three, I mean, it was just, don't talk to me, don't look at me, I will chew you out because I was just, I, I was not very, very happy. If you're like me, I get that way when I don't sleep. So we sometimes have to choose to be awake. It's not okay that when I have a schedule, I have an appointment that I have to be somewhere that I just keep smacking the snooze button because I feel like sleeping. No. A mature person chooses that they're going to be where they ought to be. Okay, preacher, what does that mean spiritually? Well, look what he says. And that knowing the time that it, now it is time to awake out of sleep. That spiritual sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. 
Folks, here's what's happening. We have an appointment that's coming. Our salvation is nearer than when we believe. We have a set amount of time that we get to serve God. We don't know how long that's going to be. Folks, the Lord could come back a week from now. You know, we don't know. You know, I could, I could have some kind of you know, brain injuries or something on the way home and just be dead. I have no idea how much time I have left to serve God. But this is what I do know. Today, I have one day less to serve God than I had yesterday. This week, I have one week less to serve God than I had last week. And when I look around, if I just decide to stay asleep to the spiritual work that I have to do, my time clock is just going to keep ticking and I'm going to sleep through it. Folks, the Bible is telling us that we ought to awake out of sleep. Wake up! Wake up! Look at what's going on around us because for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Folks, that time is coming. The deadline is almost up. Look at verse number 12. He talks about that deadline. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Folks, that time is coming. The night is far spent. You know, it's, when we think about, you know, the nighttime, the nighttime usually is a, is a certain set of hours. We have a set time for uh, sunset and sunrise. I don't realize they change, but we know when it is. And as the early mornings start to come, you know, 5 o'clock, 5.30, 6 o'clock, you can start to see the sun start to come up, and you know the night is almost over. The night is almost over. Folks, for us, the night is almost over. The night is far spent. The Lord could come back at any moment. Have we done the work that God wants us to do? Have we done the things that God wants us to do? You know, there's no room in a Christian's life for him to just be asleep to his responsibilities. Because if we're not awake to it, we'll just, we'll just sleep right through it. You know, it's funny to think about this. Have you ever seen someone that's been asleep on the job before? And I don't know if you guys have ever been on a job site before where you've seen somebody sleep or somebody just not doing something when they're supposed to. But I think I told you about a friend of mine that I saw doing this. I remember once I was working and I was up on a roof. And I remember I was up there, boy, I, we were working. We were te tearing off these shingles and we would throw them down below. And there were a couple guys down below that once we would push them off the roof, it was their job to collect them and throw them in the dump truck. And I remember, look, I looked over the roof one day while I'm up there working, and I'm sweating. And this guy is laying on the pile of shingles, just laying there, sprawled out like this, doing absolutely nothing. And I'm looking down at this guy thinking, what are you doing? I mean, we are up here, we are working, and we are, you know, sweating, and you're just down there laying in the trash pile, doing absolutely nothing. And I'm thinking to myself, what would happen if the boss showed up, right? I mean, who is going to be asleep? When the boss shows up. People just don't do that when the boss shows up. Guys, we have no idea when Christ is going to come back. And we ought to work and we ought to be busy just like Christ is coming back at any moment. Because quite literally, one, he could. And number two, he already sees us anyway. It's not like we're hiding from him. Boy, he's here. He sees everything that we do. So we ought to be awake to the jobs that God has us to do. Because if we're asleep to it, we might miss our opportunities. And we might miss our opportunity for God to do something, to use us. You know, I remember one time, I remember one time there was a guy I used to work with. And he was, um, he was kind of a new guy. 
And, and we hadn't worked together very long. But I remember thinking to myself, man, you know, maybe there's something about this guy. I probably need to give this guy the gospel. Just because I knew, I knew his background. I wasn't trying to judge him or anything. But he wasn't someone that, and that, that typically you would think to be someone that loved and sought after the Lord. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, Lord, you probably want me to witness to this guy. But I also remember thinking, well, this is a place of business. You know, you don't mix your religion with with your business. You could get fired for that kind of stuff. And I remember thinking, you know, when the time presents itself. Long story short, that job, I lost that job and I never got to see that man again. And I found out about a year, a year or so later, that man took his own life. And I never had the opportunity to witness to him. Excuse me. I never took it. I never took that opportunity. And that will probably stick with me until the day that I die. And I say that to, to kind of prove this point. Honestly, I was kind of asleep to what it was that God wanted me to do. I was asleep to it. I wasn't paying attention. I was hitting the snooze button. I was putting it off. And I had no idea when that time was going to be up. And I lost it. I missed it. And folks, I, I give that, out, that example just to prove the point what Paul is saying. Folks, the day of the Lord is coming. We don't know when it's going to be, but we do know this. The time is ticking, and we might lose that. So a mature Christian, number one, he is going to wake up. He's going to be awake to the things that God wants him to do. He's going to look for those opportunities. Secondly, also the second part of verse number 12, he says this. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You know, this here in the book of Romans, this is Paul. This is the same guy, if you've ever read in Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about putting on the whole armor of God. Yeah, this is the same guy. So what he's saying is there are some things about us and our lives that that we ought to get rid of and some things that we ought to have. So when he says cast off and put on, it's not physically talking about your clothes, but we are going to say, number two, we ought to dress up. So number one, a Christian ought to wake up. He's got to be looking for the things around him. Number two, he ought to dress up. And again, this isn't talking about your clothes, but what it's talking about is this. First, there's some things that we ought to take off. He says, cast it off. Cast off the works of darkness. Get rid of them. Hey, they shouldn't even be around you. These shouldn't be named amongst you. You're you're Christians. Boy, you're children of God. Why would you have works of darkness about you? No, instead, you ought to put on the armor of light. Put on the armor of light. Boy, we need to have uh, the sword of truth and we ought to have the the breastplate of righteousness and all these things. Folks, that's, that's what we ought to put on. But you might be thinking, okay, well... What is it we ought to take off? He actually shows us specifically in verse number 13, which we're going to jump down to to prove this point. In verse number 13, he gives us three sets of two. Three sets of two. So he shows us six things. First, he says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, 
not in strife and envying. So three sets of two. Very quickly, we're going to look at these three and we're going to talk about what Paul is saying was named amongst these Christians, amongst these child of God. And he's saying, children of God, these ought not to be part of your testimony. First, he says this, not in rioting and drunkenness. And it's very interesting that he puts these two together. First, let me ask you, do you guys remember... What was it? Maybe two years ago or so now where they were having, boy, it was all over TV. There were planned riots all, all over the, the middle of the country. It was in the east. I know they had some in Ferguson. They had some in Charlotte. They had some in uh, Baltimore. And, man, when you saw these riots on TV, these people, they were just, man, they were going nuts. I mean, they, they were destroying property. They were flipping over cars. They were setting fires to things. I mean, these riots, people were just losing their minds. And if you ever studied anything about a riot or a, a, a mob mentality, it's almost, it almost has the picture of like a flock of birds. When one does something, it's almost like the whole group turns this way. It's almost like they have their own attitude. It becomes its own thing. And when they ever see this riot going on, What's happening is these people, they have lost all control of what they are doing. They've lost it. I mean, the, the rule of law, it's just, it's out the window. Well, we're just going to do whatever we feel like doing. That's what happens sometimes with us deep down inside. And partially why he also says not in rioting and drunkenness. Because when someone becomes so intoxicated, they're going to lose all control of what they're thinking and doing. I mean, your judgment, it's just out the window. There is no judgment call at that point. A person is unable to, uh, to think as clearly as he ought to. So, folks, what happens here is this. As a Christian, we cannot... We cannot live in such a way where we are willing to just lose all control of ourselves. Boy, we, we have got to have some self-control. There are some times that, that I feel like saying something that I know I shouldn't, right? You, you've ever heard the expression that you know, sometimes we just ought to bite our tongue and not say anything at all? That's a matter of self-control. You know, if I live riotously, when someone honks their horn at me because of something that I didn't do wrong on the highway, they just think that I did. And I, and I want to turn around and you know, honk back at them and yell back at them. I'm just going to say whatever I feel and do whatever I feel like. That's riotous living. I'm just going to do whatever feels good, whatever I think is right in the moment. No, folks, that's, that's what an immature person would do. Spiritually speaking... That's what an immature Christian would do. When it comes to our spirit and it comes to the things of God, we ought to set aside the way we feel. And when it comes time to make a decision, we ought to stop and say, okay, Lord, what would you have me to do here? What, what, is, what is correct? Lord, what is right in your eyes? That's when we start living the way God would want us to. That's when we start putting away this idea of riotous and drunken type living, just doing whatever feels right in the moment. Folks, the Bible tells us our heart is desperately wicked. If we just follow our heart, we just follow whatever we think, it's going to mess us up. So part of dressing up is casting off that just doing whatever feels good type of mentality. And then the second group here, he says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness. 
not in chambering and wantonness. So these two, these are kind of some, some old English words we don't quite use anymore. But here's the idea of it. Chambering, this is the idea of a sexual sin in that if you ever read Shakespearean type literature, you know, these are my, these are my chambers. These are my living quarters. That was the bedroom. And so this idea of chambering has that, uh, that connotation to it or wantonness, things that are just generally uh, lewd natured, right? And again, these two coupled together shows about how these Christians in this time period, they had some things about them that were just as much worldly in that way as, as the world would. Boy, as a Christian, we ought to have a different testimony. You know, when we think about the world and when we think about the way that they push things and the way that they sell things and the way that, uh, that people even advertise themselves, boy, it's almost kind of sad how prominent uh, sexuality is in our nature today. But as Christians, that's something that we ought to cast off. Man, that ought not be named amongst us. That ought not to be something that defines us. So he says, one, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness. And number three, we're supposed to cast off strife and envying. Strife and envying. Now he's talking about our relationship with others. Folks, strife is when I am at enmity or when I have just kind of uh, friction with someone. Envying is when I have displeasure with someone else's fortune, right? So when I look next door and I see someone else comes home and boy, they've got a brand new shiny fishing boat. And I just think to myself, well, why do they get to have something like that? Man, you know, I work just as hard as they do. Why can't I have the good things that they do? And boy, that little green monster of envy starts to creep up within me. And that's my displeasure that they have been blessed. That's something that ought not be named amongst us. Well, we can be at pleasure with that. Or this idea of strife. You know, yeah, have you ever had someone that, that for whatever reason, you just don't get along with them? You know, I've had some people like that. I mean, the minute that we are in a room together, there's just, man, some kind of friction. We just don't get along. And, you know, I realize that not everyone's personality is just going to, you know, click. But that doesn't mean that I have to make it worse. It doesn't mean that I have to walk into a room with a chip on my shoulder just waiting for them to knock it off. I remember seeing a, uh, I remember seeing that in an Andy Griffith episode just a few nights ago. This one boy, he drew a line in the sand. He dared Opie to cross it. You know, then he put a, he put a stick on his shoulder and he dared Opie to knock it off. <laughs> you know, he was, he was living his strife. He was trying to start something. Guys, that's not the way God wants us to live. Those are things that while we have them, we ought to take them off. So we can put on the breastplate of righteousness. We have the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. These are the things we ought to have. That's why he says in verse number 13, walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting, drunkenness, chambering, wantonness, strife and envy. And take those things and take them off and put on the Lord Jesus Christ in verse number 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, when people look at me, when people look at us, I want them to look at us and not see a person that's no different than the rest of the world is. I want them to look at us and say, boy, I see something different about that guy. When people see me, do they see Christ? You know, some, some people, they put, it, they put it quite literally when they say that we might be the only picture of Christ anyone ever sees. Or, you know, we might be the only quote-unquote Bible anyone ever gets to read. 
You know, if someone sees me and they know that I'm a Christian, do they see that I'm different than they are? Do they see that I have joy and happiness in my life that they too can have? Do, do they see the Lord in me? Folks, that's a way that we can live. We can live a witness for the Lord. Now, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that's the only way that we witness, but boy, people can see that we're different. So notice lastly here, we've seen number one, we need to wake up. Just be aware to what God has for us. Number two, we need to dress up. Uh, we need to take off the works of the world and we need to put on Jesus Christ so they can see that there's something different about me. Not, not, not our clothes is what we're saying. We're talking about our testimony. Dress up in our testimony. And number three, we need to very simply grow up. Grow up. You know, have you ever had someone tell you that? At least, at least I know I have because I think back to, you know, when I was a teenager or a young boy, I would do something incredibly immature and dumb that I know I shouldn't have. And they said, boy, why don't you just grow up? You know, grow up. What's wrong with you? Why would you do that? And that's kind of the idea I'm thinking of with verse number 14. Look what he says at the last part of that verse. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Folks, what he's talking about here is we're going to put on Christ. But this idea of making provision for the flesh, that's talking about letting sin have a foothold. Letting it have a way in. Making provision for the flesh. And, you know, I don't know if you guys know very much about football. But when I was a, when I was a kid, I used to play football. And, man, I love football. And one of my favorite positions in football was I love playing linebacker. You know, I just, it was a great position. You got to be back. You got to see, see the play. And a lot of times your linebackers, they're on defense. They got to, you know, they got to make the tackle a lot of times. And every once in a while, if the play, you know, called for it, if there was ever a little hole in the line, which would be, you know, the, the line of scrimmage. You have your guys, they're trying to protect the ball, right? If you ever see a hole to be able to get through all the men to get back to where that ball is and make a tackle, you want to do it. And the object of the offensive line, what they want to do is they want to make a wall. They want to get shoulder to shoulder, and they want to get as tight as they can so no one gets through to the guy that's got the ball back here. They want to protect it. They don't want anyone to get back there. So the offensive line, they're going to get shoulder to shoulder and they're going to be tight and they are not going to make provision. They're not going to make a way for anyone on the other team to get past them. You see how that works? They're defending it. They, they, are, they are taking care of that ball. They are not going to make provision for the other team to get through. Folks, the Bible is telling us that we need to make not provision for the flesh. That means me. I can't make provision for me to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, here's the picture that has to do with being a mature Christian. And, we'll, and this will be our last one. You know, is there not sometimes things that we want that we know will hurt us? Absolutely. You know, I, I'm the kind of person that if I know that there's a gallon of ice cream sitting in the freezer, I'm going to go eat it. It's just, if it's just sitting in there and I'm sitting down at night and I'm, you know, sitting with my wife and the kids are in bed. That's the key. They're in bed because they'll want my ice cream too. I make sure they're in bed. And then when they're asleep and I know that that's sitting in there, I will sit down. And if I am hungry enough, I will eat that whole thing. 
that is not good for me. I shouldn't do that. So if I am, for whatever reason, deciding that I'm going to be on a health kick and I need to lose my five pounds, 20 pounds, whatever it is, I need to make sure that I don't even buy the ice cream because if I buy it, I'm going to eat it, right? That's me making provision for it. Is there anything wrong with ice cream? Nope, not at all. It's not, it's not a bad thing. In fact, I really like my ice cream, but it's not a bad thing. But I know if I buy it, boy, it's going to hurt me. So sometimes I have to make the mature decision and say, nope, I'm, I'm not even going to buy it, not even going to put it in the freezer because I know it's going to hurt me. You know, sometimes, spiritually speaking, we have to take things out of our lives. Might not be bad, but it might hurt us. I'll show you what I mean. Is there, you know, I haven't seen it be that big of a deal in, in this area. Um, maybe just because, because of where we are. But I know where I grew up, NASCAR, that was a big deal. You know, I mean, we weren't too far away from Charlotte Motor Speedway. I mean, everybody was a NASCAR fan of someone. Is there anything wrong with NASCAR? Nope. I mean, in and of itself, guys are racing around a track, sports, fine. Nothing wrong with that at all. You want to have a good time, go for it. But if NASCAR starts to hurt me spiritually and it starts to take away from God's word in my life, NASCAR can become a hindrance. Does that make sense? It becomes something that is keeping me from the Lord. And that becomes something that might be able to hurt me. So as a Christian, I might need to make a decision. I might need to say, hey, NASCAR is something that I need to take a few steps back from because it's keeping me from God. That becomes a mature decision. It's not something I want to do, but it might be something I have to do. I'll never forget one time, and I remember as a boy, I was in... I was playing on the basketball team at school. And the school rules were you had, to, uh, you had to do so well with your grades that if you weren't keeping your grades where they ought to be, you couldn't play ball. Just, just a school rule, which is fine. I agree with that. I mean, grades are important. And I remember thinking to myself, I had this one test coming up. It was a math test. And boy, I was not good at math at all. I just, it, it just wasn't me. One preacher said, it scares me to death when God tells me to preach out of the book of Numbers. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I can agree with that. I just wasn't, I wasn't good with numbers. I hated math. And I'll never forget, though, one day I had a math test. And I knew if I didn't get a certain grade on this math test, I didn't get to play ball. And so one day after school, all the boys, they were playing ball. They were getting ready to go to practice. And as bad as I wanted to be there playing ball with the rest of the guys, I had to tell those guys, Sorry, hey, listen, I can't play ball today because if I don't do well on this test, I, I can't play with you at all. I'm, I'm done. This is over. And I remember I had to leave school. The rest of the guys were out there playing. They were having fun. And I had to make, I guess what we could say would be the mature decision to do what I had to do, to do the thing that made the most sense. And while I didn't like it, it's what the mature part of me had to do. Guys, spiritually, God wants us to grow up. God wants us to put the good things in our lives and take out the bad things that might hurt us. Might not be wrong, but they still might hurt us sometimes. So folks, here's the three things that I believe he's trying to teach us in God's word. One, we need to wake up. It's time to wake out of sleep. Look for the opportunities to serve God. Don't be asleep to God's will. And then two, he says, dress up. No, not with your clothes, but boy, your testimony. Take off the things of sin. 
and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then number three, don't make provision for the flesh. You know, grow up. T take away the things that might trip us up. Let's remove the things from our life that, that maybe we like, but boy, they might hurt us in some way. So sometimes we have to make those tough decisions. We have to build those lines, build up those defenses in our lives. So folks, here's what those are our three things, to wake up, to dress up, and to grow up. So let's be mature Christians. Let's be mature children of God, just like, just like with our own children, just like people. Growing old is natural. Growing up is a choice. Hey, getting saved, that's, that, that's the part that God does for us. But growing in the Lord, that's a choice. So let's all make that choice to grow in the Lord. So if we could, let's have every head bowed and we'll have every eye closed. And I want you to ask yourself, is there any of these three areas that Paul has addressed tonight that maybe we need to mature in? Have we been awake to God's will? Have we been looking for it? Or have we just been kind of hitting the snooze button? Boy, I know I'm guilty of it. Are we maybe not dressing up the testimony that God wants us to have? You know, do, do we have the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we wearing the Lord Jesus Christ? Do people see that? Or, or maybe is there some things in our life that are not necessarily bad things, but maybe they're keeping us from the best things. Folks, if there's anything at all to do tonight, we invite you to do business with the Lord. Our Father, we love you. I pray that you bless now in this invitation, for it's in your name. As our piano player softly plays, we just want to give you this opportunity to do business with God. Has God spoken to you with any of these three things? Let's choose to be continually maturing in the Lord. Our Father, Lord, we love you. And again, we just want to praise you and thank you for all that you've done for us. Lord, thank you for our salvation. Thank you for making a way for us to be born again and to have, Lord, these, uh, Lord, these opportunities to be able to serve you. Lord, thank you for it. I pray that you'd help us to be awake to those things. Lord, help us to continue to grow spiritually. Help us to mature spiritually in a way that would bring you honor and would bring you glory. Father, we love you. Go with us now as we go our separate ways and help us to honor you and to put you first above all. For it's in your name we pray and in your name we ask it. Amen.